Welcome to Reasoned, the podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Meditz. The ability to change your mind varies significantly from person to person. And, well, it can be dramatically different from moment to moment inside each of us. Sometimes we can change our minds as quickly as we change our clothes. But other times, generally when it really counts, we are so stuck in the opinions in our brains that we might as well be anchored in cement. Our minds have often convinced us that an opinion is a statement of fact, when in all actuality, the only power these thoughts have is what we have bestowed upon them. It's relatively easy to change your mind on what you want for dinner. However, changing beliefs on a topic that defines us is much more complicated, even if that belief is holding us back. Experts agree that our beliefs give us something solid to hold on to amid uncertainty, especially when challenged. I don't mean to insinuate that having a robust belief system is a bad thing. In fact, this is a very positive and healthy state for your brain. What I am trying to say is that there is a difference in your belief of an idea because it resonates within you versus clinging to outdated notions beliefs that define a narrative of you, or thoughts that create barriers in your development. Thoughts have no power over us, apart from what we bestow on them. We often live in a place of fear and defensiveness when attempting to change our opinions on something that we have considered important. As more often than not, we have expressed this opinion openly and with regularity, Social pressures weigh so heavily that they can even be barriers to questioning any part of your belief system, and may even put a full stop to expressing a difference of stance simply out of embarrassment. There have been some studies recently on the brain's flexibility and how that weighs in on our perceptions of social pressures and our overall ability to grow. Are you inclined to rely on how you've always done things? You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it? Or are you someone that tries new things, challenges their comfort zones, or pushes yourself to reimagine solutions? Your answers to these questions have a lot to do with whether you have a fixed or a growth mindset. Carol Susan Dweck is an American psychologist and the Lewis and Virginia Eaton Professor of Psychology at Stanford University. Dweck is known for her work on the mindset of psychological traits and differentiates two different mindsets, fixed versus growth. Dweck's example of students' abilities helps us to understand these mindsets the best. In a fixed mindset, Students believe their basic abilities, their intelligence, their talents are fixed traits. They have a certain amount, and that's that. Ultimately, their goal becomes to look smart all the time and to never look dumb. In a growth mindset, students understand that their talents and abilities can be developed through effort, good teaching, and persistence. They don't necessarily think that everyone's the same or that anyone could be Einstein, but they believe that everyone can get smarter if they work at it. A growth mindset's benefits might seem obvious, 
But trust me when I say that many of us are guilty of having a fixed mindset in at least some areas of our lives. Having a fixed mindset can often prevent development and growth. And when we're talking about your career, it can be a limiter and often causes frustration. It's essential to distinguish that you can have a fixed mindset in one area of your life and a growth mindset in another. The important thing is to determine where you have a fixed mindset and to work to change your mind, even if that causes social discomfort. So let's dig into these mindsets. First up, let's talk about a fixed mindset. Overall, a fixed mindset is limiting. For example, your talents, abilities, and intelligence are just fixed. We are who we are and no more. This kind of mindset generally presents as running from errors, avoiding challenges, and giving up easily. You may also discover a fixed mindset when you see a desire to look smart, feel threatened by other successes, or sense a need to take credit or to deceive. People with a fixed mindset will often ignore negative feedback, even though it might be highly relevant and useful and will also avoid new experiences due to fear of failure. You will often find that those with a fixed mindset will look for people who can reinforce their self-esteem or their belief system, and they will hyper-focus on the outcome as they consider results as part of their identity. Conversely, a growth mindset is freeing, as one's talents, abilities, and intelligence can be developed through effort and practice. You are simply on a journey, and your current status will change. People with a growth mindset engage deeply and process errors with desire to correct them, not to hide them. You will clearly see a growth mindset when challenges are sought out and embraced. In fact, there's a sense of perseverance in the face of failures and setbacks, because one can learn just as much from failure as they can from success. Those with a growth mindset find inspiration in others' successes, and they accept criticism as a way to learn. Often, they will reach outside of their comfort zone with a desire to master new skills. They tend to focus on the process and learning without worrying about the outcome itself. This is all supported by building a network of people who challenge them to grow which ultimately leads to collaboration and innovation. In her book, Mindset, Carol Dweck beautifully sums up the two types of mindsets. When you enter a mindset, you enter a new world. In one world, the world of fixed traits, success is about proving that you're smart or talented, validating yourself. In the other, the world of changing qualities, It's about stretching yourself to learn something new, developing yourself. In one world, failure is about having a setback, getting a bad grade, losing a tournament, getting fired, getting rejected. It means that you're not smart or talented. In the other world, failure is about not growing or not reaching for the things that you value it means that you're not fulfilling your potential. In one world, effort is a bad thing. 
It, like failure, means that you're not smart or talented. If you were, you wouldn't need effort. In the other world, effort is what makes you smart or talented. You have a choice. Mindsets are just beliefs. They're powerful beliefs, but they are just something in your mind, and you can change your mind. For example, if you say, I'm not a math person, then that belief acts as an easy excuse to avoid practicing math. The fixed mindset prevents you from failing in the short run, but in the long run, it hinders you from your ability to learn, grow, and develop new skills. Meanwhile, someone with a growth mindset would be willing to try math problems even if they failed at first. They see failure and setback as an indication that they should continue developing their skill rather than as a signal that indicates, this is something I'm not good at. So how do you develop a growth mindset at work? First, embrace not yet. I love the idea of not yet. This is likely influenced by my attending a high school magnet program called the Academy for the Art, Science, and Technology. One of the most influential elements this school used was their ABC Not Yet grading system. This grading system meant that if your work did not reach a passing grade level, it was marked as not yet and provided you more time to process feedback and then redo the work until a passing grade was achieved. Receiving a fixed fail puts you nowhere. In fact, it may make you defensive of the feedback that was provided, while the not yet grade puts you on a trajectory towards success and tells you that you've made progress and can continue to grow your abilities. At work, it's hard to see failures as anything other than just that and can often make you feel stuck in the present embarrassment versus evaluating how far you've come and the steps that you can take to continue to improve. I encourage you to reframe failures and instead think of it as a situation that is not yet mastered. Evaluate what you need to do to get closer to mastery. Solicit feedback and get inspired by other people who do this well. Next, challenge yourself through practice. In order to accomplish this, you'll need to use a systematic approach to building skills rather than just going through the motions. Start small. Pick one specific and challenging goal and address it with a growth mindset by getting constant feedback and trying new ways to get better. Be mindful of the kinds of goals that you set and how you write them. How you set goals can influence the mindset that you bring to work and how you approach the goal itself. Research shows that people with a fixed mindset are more likely to set performance-based goals, like moving a metric or hitting a KPI, instead of learning goals, such as bettering your skills. I recognize that most organizations use methods such as SMART goals or OKRs to drive the business forward. And honestly, that has its place. You may find that you will need to participate in goal setting such as this. However, it would help you if you complement these goals with learning goals that will help lead to better performance.
It might seem like not such a big deal, but focusing on performance goals generally leads to short-term thinking and will focus your efforts on a pass-fail mentality. And when you do fail, it can feel devastating versus a chance to learn and to grow. Don't seek praise. Instead, ask for critical feedback. Look, we all love to hear that we're doing a good job. It can even become addictive. Too much praise can make us fall into routines instead of taking risks. Praise also will lead to falling into the idea that we're naturally talented instead of seeing talent as something one can grow. When you finish a project, ask for feedback on what you can do to improve, not just whether or not the work was good or bad. Now, here's the most crucial step. Dig deep. Really try to understand how you can improve, what things could have been done differently, and then make a plan to make incremental changes. It's easy to get defensive when hearing critical feedback. Instead, try to channel your inner investigator, and this will help you improve in the long run. Establish and reassess your long-term goals. A growth mindset requires connecting our work to a bigger purpose. But first, you need a long-term goal in order to make that connection. Remember, these goals should be growth-focused and not outcome-focused. You're on a journey. Once you have your goals established, think of ways that your work can help you challenge your skills and will allow learning to occur. To stay on track, Set time aside to go over your goals, assess where you've made improvements, and evaluate what future work may help you explore your goals further. Changing how you think about things is the first step. Social stigma, yeah, even at work, is also a factor. Changing your mind on an emotionally charged issue is an enormous challenge. New research reveals that a more effective technique than most exists. Ingest the straight facts while exerting intense pressure. You see, social pressure has a much higher rate of acceptance than just exposure to new information. It has a profound influence on whether or not you accept something to be true. This means that who you surround yourself with really matters. And at work, groupthink is real. So, how do you know if groupthink abounds at your place of work? When in meetings, do you find that a subgroup of speakers, often the strongest and the loudest, get their way, while another group is generally silent? This generally means we have found an answer, but doesn't mean that we have found the best answer. Do you find that consensus is required to move forward? The requirement to have consensus can often breed apathy, especially if the difference of opinion isn't acknowledged or worked into the planning. When failure occurs, does blame abound? When too much consensus is required, no one individual feels that they own the decision. And if it fails, it's not my fault, and the finger pointing begins. So how do you know if you're susceptible to groupthink? Everything is going great. When you're number one, it's often hard to try new things. Your team might be afraid to float new ideas or initiatives that could threaten the status quo 
and could result in failure. Look around the room. Does everyone in the room share the same experience and background? That should raise a red flag. Ensure that you are hiring and including a diverse viewpoint. Are meetings collaborative? Do your employees seem at ease with each other? Do employees smile and make frequent eye contact with each other? Or do they clam up and barely look up from their phones? Employees won't share ideas if they're afraid that they will be disciplined, face significant opposition, or embarrassment by expressing opinions counter to the mainstream. Are you an intimidating leader? Business leaders should indeed project confidence in their abilities to succeed, but acting like you know it all will only shut down alternative points of view. Are you ever vulnerable and open to discussion, or do you feel you need to be right at all cost? So, How do you discourage groupthink? The habit of groupthink can be hard to break, but it's not impossible. Assess your communication style. Ensure that you model the behaviors of sharing. This sometimes means that you'll need to follow up with quieter employees outside of the meeting. Embrace your inner devil's advocate. A leader should be able to argue both sides to ensure that there is clarity on direction. Modeling this behavior will allow others to feel comfortable in doing so, and a little conflict can help reveal areas that might have otherwise been ignored. Create a sharing environment. Include participation from all employees involved in the decision. Introduce alternative ideas for discussion. Reward employees for vocalizing opinions. Encourage folks to disagree and evaluate the risks and benefits of more than one option or plan. Ultimately, we all change over time, and adapting is our greatest asset, even though it takes hard and dedicated work to do so. So whether you're focused on doing that for yourself or your team, trust me when I say it's worth the effort. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sabrina Meditz, and this has been Reasoned, the podcast.